0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in. I wanted to take the time and remind you all of the nature of discussions we have on this podcast. As you know, we chat about wellness, specifically our mental health. And occasionally when we share our stories, we may mention traumatic events that have happened to us. This may bring up bad memories for some of you. So please remember to listen at your own discretion. Your mental well-being is first and foremost important, so take care of yourself and unplug if you need to. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. And remember this, you are resilient. Hi there, it's your host, Jaquela, and welcome to You Are Resilient Podcast, the place where we share our personal stories of resilience. Here we understand resilience is not some magical quality, but that it takes real mental work to transcend hardship. And even after our misfortunes, we're able to change course and move toward achieving our goals. So join me as we have meaningful conversations about everything from wellness to relationships and spirituality. Are you with me? Okay, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We are on our seventh episode of You Are Resilient podcast, and I want to give a special thank you to all the listeners as well as the guests that have volunteered to share their stories of resilience. It takes so much courage and strength to share your your personal stories of overcoming, and I just want to say thank you to those individuals. And I also want to go ahead and introduce our next guest for this week's episode. Her name is Tabitha and she's going to be sharing her story of how she is overcoming her eating disorder and giving us more an authentic look into that recovery journey. Thank you guys for listening and let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. So how's classes going for you so far?
1: We're what, a month in now into the semester? How's everything going? Um it's going
2: good. I have a couple more months until I graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my bachelor's in psychology so i'm excited about that cool. uh, my classes this semester are definitely better i only have one class a day i have two online classes and so i don't have to get up early which is nice my one That's class awesome. starts at <laughs> so yeah my one class starts at twelve thirty, and then my other one starts at 11 so i don't not have to get up early which is nice so i get a i get a sleep in which definitely helps with my mood
1: and stuff so it's yeah. going pretty good that's good. And you you said you're running track too as well. Yeah. And that's going well for you?
2: It's going okay. I wish it was going better, but we're we're still trying to do better. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So let's go right into it. So um can you tell us more about who you are? What's your, your story? Um, well, I'm actually originally
2: from Haiti. Um I was adopted when I was two and a half years old. I have three other siblings and we're all adopted from Haiti. Um actually I just went down to last or this last summer I went down and I got to meet my birth family for the first time, which was a huge step for me. Mm-hmm. Um all of my siblings have gone back to Haiti already, but I was the last one to go. I was kind of putting it off a little bit. I didn't know. I didn't think I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um it was a lot different than what I expected it to be. It was mm-hmm. a lot It was way better than I expected it to be. Um, I was just kind of worried going down because I'm not really like a touchy-feely kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I know my mom was going to, you know, obviously be, my birth mom would obviously be excited to see me. So I was just a little worried about the emotional aspect of things because I didn't want to seem like I was standoffish because that's just my personality. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of turned out that she's kind of like me too. And so... She made a lot of, like, hugs and kisses and stuff like that. So it was actually really nice because I think we, we both kind of have the same temperament when it comes to emotions. And so mm-hmm. I was able to, like, show her emotions without making myself feel too uncomfortable. And she was able to do the same in return. And so I wasn't expecting it to be like that at all. So I was mm-hmm. kind of just expecting it to be really, like, uncomfortable and then I would kind of just you know kind of deal with it because I wanted her to be able to obviously like see me how she wanted to see me and everything and experience like seeing me for the first time but mm-hmm. um it ended up being pretty neutral and just the way how we acted and how we conversed and so it was actually it was really good I had a really good time that's awesome that's
1: really beautiful and so you said you were adopted at the age of two correct
2: yeah two and a half
1: Okay. So, with your adoptive parents, like, how was how did that news come about? Did you always know? Was it something that they just...
2: Oh, yeah. They're very open. Um, both of my parents are white, so um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it would be kind of hard for them to hide it if they were. Yeah, yeah. To. But um, I'm the youngest of all my siblings, so, I mean, I have three older siblings, and so they've all obviously been adopted from Haiti as well, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of... it it made it a little bit more normal, I guess you could say, just kind of knowing like, oh, well, we're all adopted, we're all from the same country. So, um, you know, it was kind of nice knowing that. Um, So it was never, it was never really, my parents were very open about it. We have an open adoption. and So I do get to talk to my birth mom. I did talk to her before ever meeting her. Um, All my life, I've sent her letters. We wrote letters back and forth. So my parents have been very open about it, and like been okay with me um having a relationship with her and so mm-hmm. everything and my siblings you know they have their own little relationships with their family members, their birth family, and so it's kind of just always been um part of the way that we interact with our birth families and stuff mm-hmm. and so you know we've been we've been brought up to um understand that it's okay that we Talk to our birth family and that they had reasons for giving us up and everything and so I think my parents did a good job of you know just explaining that and like treading those waters because I know it can be a lot different for various families and how they handle situations like that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm most definitely that's awesome that you have that you know tight-knit family unit for them to you know be open about that so that's beautiful story. Um, The last time we spoke, you mentioned you had a long journey of connecting the dots of, you know, past trauma in your life. Can you talk to us more about what that meant?
2: Um, When I was, you know, probably more so in middle school, high school, more so high school, um, I'm definitely, I would say I'm definitely a different person now than I used to be. Um I think that's a good thing, it can also be a bad thing depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um I used to be like very a very closed off individual. I had a lot of friends and stuff and um I had good times and I was able to like socialize with other people, but when it came to like emotional anything to do with emotions, I was I was it was the furthest thing from my mind and I didn't like to deal with emotions or anything and so um, for a long time I was a very closed off person. Um, I kind of just growing up I kept to myself in regard to my emotions. So I never I never really cried in front of people. I tried not to cry in front of people. I tried actually just in general not to cry and not to tell people if I was ever feeling anything. Um, I was very much like the class clown um during my school years in middle school and elementary school, so um mm-hmm that kind of became my identity which was just kind of always being you know cracking jokes always being funny and so that was kind of a coping mechanism that I um that I kind of developed when I was younger Mm -hmm. and um like it kind of just you know it kind of just kept going through the years and it's been a good thing and a bad thing I definitely think um it it was working for me then but um I've definitely learned now more so than ever that I need to be able to use other coping mechanisms because that coping mechanism worked when I was younger and it helped me survive. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm in a different, you know, different part of my life, different season of my life, um, you know, you always need to adapt your coping mechanisms for certain situations Mm -hmm. and just seasons of your life. And so um, that, kind of is what started me out on my journey of I guess you could say recovery and healing and all that all that good stuff um I came into I came into college kind of being you know excited for excited for new stuff but also you know there was a lot of stuff in my past that I wasn't really aware of and um it kind of just I'd say it kind of finally caught up to me I was, I was definitely the kind of person who was like, oh, like, you know, nothing can break me. Like I'm unbreakable. Like I'm really good at like controlling my emotions. Like you know, I don't really get angry for the most part. You know, I don't get sad. I'm just always happy, happy, happy. Um, and so, I think in order for me to start, um, to start healing and to start my recovery, it kind of sounds bad, but I feel like I had to break in a sense in mm-hmm. order to be in order to be able to be rebuilt so that's yeah. kind of um, what ended up happening um i've had a lot of trauma in my past um childhood trauma and also trauma um from my teenage years and stuff like that and so i think that after a while um, i think everything kind of just started to catch up to me and after um one of my most one of my more um significant traumas that i um experienced in my life i kind of just you know took a step back and just thought like you know my life you know it's kind of having the same the the same kind of theme and the same kind of trend and it was just it was making me very uneasy um i think it was definitely like a big case of just like cognitive dissonance in a sense like mm. what what I knew about myself and what I knew about my past wasn't matching up with the actions that were happening in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. And so,
2: um, I would definitely say cognitive dissonance was the catalyst to a lot of a lot of my um journey and just like trying to understand and figure out what happened to me and like why why I did go through this experiences I did. Um and so mm-hmm. that was kind of the start Um, to me recovering into healing was you know you can't really heal from what you don't know Mm -hmm. and so in order for me to heal I had to I had to first you know figure out what necessarily I was healing from and Mm -hmm. once I could figure that out and once I could start on that journey then you know from there I've just I've from there I've just been you know going to therapy Um, I have a whole treatment team and you know from now, I've just kind of been trying to heal and recover, and it's definitely a long process. And I know they say healing isn't linear, and I definitely do believe that. But it is definitely frustrating. There are many days where I feel like I should be better than I am. Days where I feel like I go backwards, um, and I just feel more of a victim than a fighter. But I'm still here, and so you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm still I'm still fighting. So you
1: know, I think we can then, all, yeah. Sorry, I did mean to yeah. cut you off, but I, I can um, definitely relate. We can all agree that there's some days where we feel like, you know, am, am I making the right uh, strides? Like, I feel like I take a few steps forward and I'm always taking steps back, So I definitely can uh, relate to that, um, yeah. that feeling. <laughs> it is a journey. I, I'd
2: say, yeah, I, I mean, I'd say there's, you know, there's definitely days, you know, sometimes, you know, you praise yourself because, you know, you went to therapy or you did something you didn't want to do. You went to that doctor's appointment or, you know, you went and see your psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely days where, you know, people ask me how I am and I'm like, well, I'm still alive, so that's, you know, that's my win for the day. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, sometimes you got to take the little things of just getting out of bed or just, you know, honestly just, you know, choosing to exist another day sometimes, you know. I've definitely been in that boat before of just, you know, People are like, oh, like, how are you doing? You know, and I'm like, well, I'm still here and I'm still breathing, so I'm winning. You know, yeah, so mm-hmm. some That's days, you know, it, yeah. some days it's something big and some days it's something little, but you know, you just got to keep going. Um, you know, every day is not going to be a big win and you know, you just got to take every day at a time. And sometimes that means every second at a time, every minute at a time.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um,
2: just, you know, kind of try to trudge through and just keep going. And eventually you know, hoping that things get better. So, yeah.
1: hmm That was perfectly said. So, during this time when you described going through this journey of self-discovery, you know, feeling confused about patterns in your life, you mentioned that um, a little, I would say, after your freshman year, you started picking up these behaviors um, with your eating. Um, can you talk to us more about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm diagnosed with nervosa. Um I... It definitely, you know, it happens differently for a lot of people for, you know, it's different for everyone. But for me, it was definitely um, more of a a slow progression than something that just, you know, just happened one day. Um, You know, just, I kind of just started feeling, you know, like accomplished almost when I wouldn't eat a lot, you know, and it wasn't, you know, nothing about weight, nothing about body image or anything. It was solely the fact that I felt accomplished, like, when my stomach was empty and when I hadn't eaten or if I went to bed hungry, it made me happy and made me feel accomplished. And um, it was definitely a time where, you know, I was very depressed. Um, I wasn't really on any medication. I was probably only on one medication at the time. And so my eating disorder very much was my medication in a sense. It was the only thing that I could really grasp onto and i didn't really even i didn't look at it as something i was doing for control or anything it was just simply something that made me happy and Mm -hmm. it made me feel accomplished and you know every time i would go to bed um without you know going to bed hungry then i would feel better and it kind of just slowly progressed until like when i would try to eat sometimes when i did want to eat i felt like i almost couldn't eat you know i would be shaking or, you know, I would just be, like, repulsed at the fact that I was eating. And um, from there, it kind of just became full-blown eating disorder. And it was a slow progression, but eventually I just, you know, I just stopped eating a lot. I cut down my food intake a lot, and then I started weighing myself excessively. And it got to the point where I would weigh myself at least minimum seven times a day, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I go to bed and if I woke up in the middle of the, if if I woke up, um, in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I'd step on a scale because why not? I'm awake, you know? And so it kind of, it got really bad and it started to affect, um, you know, lots of areas of my life. And I ended up having to go to treatment. Um, it wasn't something I chose, but I feel like a lot of times it's not something that the person chooses, you know, it's something, you know, that you yeah, end up having to do cuz things just get so bad. But um so I ended up having to go to treatment and so I'm definitely still struggling um with my eating disorder. I still, you know, when things are you know, out of control or things aren't going the way they should, I definitely turn towards my eating disorder because it's the only thing I can control, I feel like. So, you know, yeah. if that means, you know, track, you know, I've had a couple bad track practices or a couple bad track meets, um, I tend to turn towards my eating disorder because it's like I'm trying so hard on track, and, you know, I can want it so bad. I want to, I can want to do, you know, good and well so bad. But if I can't do it, you know, my mind automatically goes, well, you know what you can do and you know what you can control is your food and Mm -hmm. how much you eat and how much you don't eat. And so um, my eating disorder is very much something that I'm still struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have um, a treatment team, which is nice, um, and they definitely help a lot. But um, from the start of my eating disorder, I've definitely learned a lot, but it's it's definitely very ingrained and you know the root of it is trauma and so once I start to be able to unravel some of that trauma more I do think that um I will be able to adjust my eating disorder a little bit more efficiently. Mm-hmm.
1: So going back just a little um you mentioned you know, um it wasn't your choice at first to go into treatment. Can, can you um go in more detail about what that experience was cuz I know you mentioned um you were running track and it was in a way it was discovered you would had this eating disorder um by a teammate. Can you go in more detail about that experience?
2: Um yeah, I um I had a friend who doesn't didn't go to school with me, but um you know, we would text back and forth occasionally and you know, I ended up just kind of telling her, um, like, oh, like, you know, I don't really eat a lot and I kind of feel happy when I don't eat and stuff. And, you know, I was just kind of explaining to her, you know, at the time I didn't know I had an eating disorder. I just kind of thought I was being weird and picky almost. And so I was just kind of explaining to her, you know, I was like, yeah, I just kind of, you know, like don't like to eat. And when I don't eat, I'm kind of happy the fact that I'm hungry and you know she um ended up saying like you know that's like not normal (laughs) you know like you Mm -hmm. should probably talk to your therapist about it um and so I ended up um I did talk to my therapist and I um I think I'm I think I talked to my friend who also happened to be on the track team at the time I talked to her I think after I talked to um my therapist and Mm -hmm. you know I ended up just talking to her and just kind of being like, Yeah, like my therapist thinks that I have like an eating disorder and you know, I just kinda of told her like the behaviors that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And um you know, she kind of asked me like, Oh, does like our athletic trainer know, like do our coaches know, you know? And I was like, No, like I don't think it's that big of a good deal, like I don't plan on telling them. I don't think it's something they like need to know or have to know, you know. And um she ended up being like, Okay, well, you know, you have until the end of the week to tell um Um, the athletic trainer I'm going to do it for you and she kind of just gave me the ultimatum and then she's like it would be a lot better if you did it but if you don't do it I'm going to do it you know Mm
1: -hmm. and so
2: I felt I mean I didn't really have a choice necessarily it was either me or her so I would have rather have been me and so that's kind of how um I ended up um talking to my athletic trainer and then so now my coaches do they do know and my athletic trainer knows and we have like a contract and everything that keeps, helps me keep safe and stuff. And so that, um, even like, even telling them that was a big thing because I did lose a lot of control after that because it's like once you're, once you're on the, you know, once you're on the grid, you can't, you can't really get off. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've been monitored for a while, but, um, I think it's, it is for the best. It's frustrating at times because I don't have as much control as I wish I did. But um, that's, you know, that's for the best because if I, you know, were to have um, more control, I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't be able to handle it properly, so.
1: hmm Yeah, I remember when we first spoke, you talked about how you had some ambivalence towards that um, treatment. You mentioned uh, track is what's tying you to treatment, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that you had to do this. You, you know, you wanted, you wanted to pursue track is what you were telling me Um. I felt what you were saying, you know, and you mentioned that some days it feels like, you know, it's hard. But then you understand why you're doing what it is that you're doing um, to help you overcome this disorder. So going back a little bit to um, when you mentioned you were um, in therapy, um, can you talk to us more about like what that first session was like when it was all when it all came out, you know, that you had this eating disorder? Can you talk to us more about um, how that session went and how it led up to your diagnosis?
2: Um, well, I had been seeing my, um, therapist for a while when I did, um, end up talking to her about it. Um, I ended Mm -hmm. up seeing her for, um, trauma issues, but she, um, she specializes in trauma and eating disorders, which, um, I got lucky with because when I first started seeing her, I didn't have one of those, or I at least didn't think I had one. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't really pick her for that reason, but, um, I ended up you know after a while after seeing her and um after talking to my one friend who suggested that i talk to my therapist you know i kind of just i just said something a little off the cuff to her like you know i was just like yeah you know i think i might have like a problem with food you know i wasn't like oh i have an eating disorder i think you know or like i have disordered eating i just was like i think i have a little problem with food you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um and she ended up being like yeah like you know, I already know that. And I was like, what? Like, I was so surprised. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I was just waiting for you to bring it up. Like, I already knew. I was just waiting wow. for you to bring it up. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my word. So, you know, she already had it flagged, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, she kind of was just waiting for me to bring it up to address it. And, um, after I did end up talking to her about it, then that's when things progressed pretty, uh, quickly, uh, within like the next two weeks of having that session with her. I, got a dietitian and i had a psychiatrist and i had a doctor um who specializes in eating disorders all of them and so it was it happened really fast but looking back on it it was probably best that it happened fast because if it didn't happen as fast as as it did i probably would be a lot more hesitant and reluctant to start the process but you know Mm -hmm. i had an appointment you know pretty recently or pretty soon after that session and then had an appointment with my, psych- with my psychiatrist, my dietitian, and so I, uh, you know, I saw them pretty shortly after just, you know, like talking to my therapist about what I thought was, you know, a little food issue and then kind of from there is when I just kind of started the journey to recovery and, you know, I'm I'm still in it now and I don't I don't know, some people say that you will never truly be recovered, and then others say that they think recovery is possible, but I do, in my opinion, I think recovery is just a lifelong, you Mm -hmm. know, a lifelong thing, whether it be from an eating disorder or or drug abuse, any substance, you know, I think that recovery is possible, but I do think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be something that you always, you need to be working on, you know or you're going to slip up, and so I've kind of just accepted that to be the case, and so I'm just, I'm still trying to recover, and I think I'll always be, you know, trying to recover in a sense, but um, mm-hmm. I know that where I am right now is definitely not recovery, and I know that I can, you know, I I know I can be in a more healthy mindset, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of just what I'm striving for right now.
1: Okay. So going back to... Um, your therapy sessions. We talked a lot about last time how you have been, um, you know, utilizing medication to manage your symptoms. Um, and you yes. mentioned how medication has helped you tremendously through your journey. Can you talk to us more about that? Because I think as a society, um, there's a huge stigma with using medication. And then when you you bring it down to our community, our Black community, um, it's very oh my gosh, we don't talk about it. You know, we don't talk about going to get help from a therapist or you know taking medication. Um, so talk to us more about how it's been positive in your life how it's helped you manage those symptoms
2: um yeah i I definitely would agree I do think there's a huge stigma attached to you know mental illness in general and you know having to take medication for sy- symptoms um i st- i've always for a while I've been diagnosed with a d h d um so I, that was the one medication that i I said that I was taking earlier. I was only taking one medication. it was for my a d h d and um that's just kind of been a part of my life for a while so i was you know i was okay with that um I never felt any shame towards that or anything. Um, the first diagnosis that I got was depression, and um that was really hard for me because I mean depression is a you know a huge deal, and a lot of people suffer from it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be a part of that statistic, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it was really hard for me um, to accept that I did have depression, um, even though the signs were very, very much there. Um, so from the beginning, I kind of was very reluctant to have any, like, di- diagnosis in the first place because I knew that, you know, the depression, you know, lots of people have depression and I didn't want to be part of that statistic. But I did end up taking um medication for depression that I um ended up being on and then I kind of took myself off of it. Mm-hmm. Um which was not the right choice, but um I I ended up taking myself off of it, but I am back on it now and um once I got my um psychiatrist and my dietitian is kind of when um more things kind of came to light. Also while I was in treatment my eating disorder um there was other things that also came to light as well and um so from the beginning I was kind of reluctant um I think it was because of the stigma I just didn't want to be part of like the stigma of depression and the statistic in itself um but um I don't really know I actually don't really know when I kind of my mindset changed Mm -hmm. but after a while I just kind of think my quality of life was just so bad that I was just I kind of just like gave I just gave up you know I kind of just like threw up the white flag and um mm-hmm. so from there I have obviously I've been diagnosed with more things um and I take a lot more medication than I did before but and it does still get to me sometimes um when it it gets to me more often when I'm running out of my medication and I am getting like a little bit of a little anxious because I need more medication and I need to get it soon or else, you know, I'm going to go downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the times where I definitely feel more frustrated because, you know, I get mad at myself or I get mad at my psychiatrist because I'm like, well, you like, you know, you got me addicted to this stuff. And if you didn't like, you know, prescribe this to me, then I would never like need to rely on it. But, Um, At the same time, when I do have those thoughts, I kind of just try to go back to um, the reality that if I didn't have medication and I wasn't on the medication that I am on, I probably wouldn't be alive right now. And I know that I need to be on the medication that I'm on because, you know, mentally it's what I need, emotionally it's what I need. um, And so being on medication now is definitely different for me I'm very open about it now you know I'm not really ashamed of it because you know I even if I were to be I you know I just know that without it I wouldn't I wouldn't be alive and it's definitely changed my quality of life and Mm
1: -hmm. you know
2: it's one of those it's one of those things where you don't know what you're missing until you know you're on it and that was definitely the case for me um Mm -hmm. Among the many medications I do take, I take the sleep medication, and, you know, the first night I took it, I, you know, I slept, and I was like, oh, my word, like, people, this is how you're supposed to sleep? Like, this is normal? Like, you know, (laughs) and it was just, it was really, it was really eye-opening, because I was like, oh, my word, like, I'm sleeping like most people sleep. Like, I didn't even know that this is how you were supposed to sleep, because I've definitely been doing it wrong all these years, so, (laughs) you know, but... I you know I do think there is definitely a stigma. I think you know I'm hoping as you know society progresses it it does get better and people are more open about it. I do think mm-hmm. that we're we're going more towards being more open about it, which is good, but I I do think that there's still a lot of work to be done when it when it comes to the stigmatization
1: of um being on medication. Mhm. What are some other things that you're doing now to kind of just help you get through this journey? Like, what are you gaining from, you know, your treatment? What are some other things that you've incorporated into your daily life?
2: Um, Well, you know, I have a lot of coping mechanisms I utilize from time to time, and I think that, um, I think a lot of just eating disorder recovery in general is, you know, just acting on things and You know, when you act on things, it becomes more and more normal until it just kind of becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could eat, you know, you could follow your meal plan for a day, you know, that your dietitian gives you. But if you only follow it for a day, that's not really going to do anything. But Mm -hmm. it's more of the repetition of things, I think, when it comes to eating disorders and, you know, just making sure, you know, trying to follow, you know, what your treatment team is um, suggesting. For you to do and just trying to combat negative thoughts so I mean that can be done multiple ways like fact-checking is one that is one of the ones that I like to use which is kind of you know you know if you're feeling sometimes if I'm feeling down about my body or something or maybe you know maybe my legs are bigger than I want them to be then you know I might just say okay well, they're bigger because you're getting stronger and because you're running on them every day for track practice, you know. And
1: mm-hmm. if they weren't
2: this big, you wouldn't be able to run this far, you wouldn't be able to run this fast, you know. And mm-hmm. just kind of trying to, you know, like, ground myself in the fact that there are reasons why my body looks the way that it does and there are reasons why I need the food that I need. And um just kind of trying to bring myself back, you know, to reality and to... Mm-hmm. You know, just understanding the mechanisms of why my body does what it's doing and stuff like
1: that. That's awesome. Yeah, so definitely, like, redirecting those those intrusive thoughts and um, yeah, just, yeah, reaffirming yourself and reaffirming, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Those are awesome tools to use. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or any words of encouragement <laughs> to anyone who could possibly be, you know, going through this a similar situation that you're in?
2: Um, I think I would just say that I am, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not recovered from my eating disorder yet. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I'm still working on it. To beat an eating disorder and to recover from an eating disorder, it's all about talking back to the voices and fighting the symptoms. And, you know, as you, as you continue to do that, you know, it's just going to get easier and easier.
1: Mm -hmm. I appreciate too that you mentioned the fact that you're still on this, uh, journey of recovery. You're still recovering from this disorder. And I think that's the most, um, humble thing to say because, um, when we think of recovery, we think, okay, we should reach this, this pinnacle point where we've been made whole and we, and we're healed. But honestly, the truth is, like you mentioned in the beginning, you know, it's gonna always, you're gonna always be on this journey. You're gonna always be continuing to heal. And I think that takes the pressure off of it, knowing that, okay, if I didn't succeed today, I still have tomorrow. I can still heal from this. And that's just really the truth about what it is to, to truly heal and be on this journey. So I thank you for being authentic in that and sharing that with us.
2: Of course, yeah. I think I found that, you know, being in treatment and just being around, um, you know, making friends with people who also have eating disorders, Um, I think that was kind of humbling in and of itself of just realizing that, you know, I can give good advice sometimes, but I don't always take it. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, Sometimes that meant I could be in treatment and I could be telling someone, like, finish that, finish that burger, you know, but I could have salad on my plate, you know, so (laughs) I just don't claim recovery. I'm in recovery, but I'm
1: definitely not recovered, and I just,
2: I think it'll be a battle that I'll be in for probably the
1: rest of my life. You know, I just hope the best for you, um. And I'm just—I'm very excited for you in your journey, and I'm very proud of you. And I—and I watch, you know, your stories on Instagram, and I'm just like, wow, she's really doing this. And I see you see journaling and doing the right thing. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of your journey and, and what you've accomplished. Um, so to wrap this up, um, where can our audience find you if they want to learn more about you and follow your your journey?
2: Yeah. Um, if you—if um anyone wants to follow my journey, I post a lot about my eating disorder mostly but you know i do talk about trauma because my trauma is you know intertwined in my eating disorder but um i do have an instagram account um it's called keeping tabs t-a-b-s um underscore recovery um so you know if you want to learn more or you just you know if you're interested in what what i've been struggling with i i'm I'm very authentic on that um on that on that page and so I try very hard to, you know, show the parts of recovery that I don't always see in the community that I wish that I did see. Um mm-hmm. I I see a lot of, you know, pictures of food and stuff but I don't often hear a lot of people talking about how they're actually struggling and mm-hmm. you know for some people that's good and for some people that's, you know, not so good, but I try to be really authentic on um, that page and just mm-hmm. my journey and how things are going, you know, some days are better than others and some days I have, you know, happy happy things to share and positive, you know, captions and then other days, you know, I could be struggling and I'm going to share that with you guys because um, time and time again I do find that when I'm authentic. Um, I get a lot of feedback from that, you know, a lot of times I'll post something on my story or on my page and I get really, you know, I get really nervous and I just want to delete it right away because I'm like, no, like people don't want to know about that or, you know, like you're being too honest, you're being too open and, you know, I constantly get like private messages from people being like, I feel the same way or like, Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that and, you know, it's very rewarding knowing, you know after sticking out that discomfort of being like, Oh, you should delete that. Like you did the wrong thing. You know, people just, you know, people just keep coming back and being like, I feel the same way. Like, thank you for, you know, talking about that. I feel like people don't talk about that a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so yeah, if you, if you guys want to see more of my journey or just know what I'm struggling with or what I'm doing good at, you can follow me on my Instagram page at keeping tabs underscore recovery.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, Tabitha. And I I honestly, I truly hope for a continuous flow of just healing in your life, of love, support, and um, I hope things go well. And thank you again for taking the time to tell us your story.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.